You are tuned into the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Your Rx for success in nutrition, mindset, and health to dispense the best version of you. The Fit Pharmacist is a movement in the profession of pharmacy. Here is your host for the show, Dr. Adam Martin. Health coaching for weight loss, empowerment, and living your best life. We all see the inherent benefit for not only our patients and ourselves, but one question remains from a clinical perspective. Where is the data? Dr. Kevin Brunacini just completed a quality improvement study addressing this very question, and I have him back on the podcast to share the study, his findings, and implications for helping patients live healthier lives through coaching in mindset, nutrition, and lifestyle modification utilizing a science-based approach as the diet doc. Kevin, welcome back, my friend. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about this study. But before we get into that, I just want to let our listeners know where you're coming from. Um, so if you could touch briefly on your journey, because weight loss um, has a very strong center for you. Uh, and I know you've gone through tremendous journey, and you've used that experience to not only help yourself in empowering your journey in the clinical realm of nursing, but you've also used what you've learned to empower the patients and clients that you work with in your practice. Um, so if you could just tell us a little bit about you know, where, where you came from with your journey and all of the success that you've gained through the years. Happy to. Um, I'll start with my, on the personal side of things. Um, be 12 years ago at this point, I was a morbidly obese individual. I was topping at near 300 pounds, a class two morbidly obese individual. Uh, I'll cut to Chase, a very not credible clinician or uh, at, the, at the time in training. And as I was going through clinical rotations and seeing patients uh, having to deal with chronic conditions that for the most part are can be prevented through health behaviors uh, and seeing how I was treating myself and neglecting my health. That was enough to me to say quite simply and frankly, stop being a hypocrite. No one's going to trust me in, the prof- in, in my field if I'm offering advice to patients looking the way I was and practicing those behaviors at that time. So uh, over a four-year period of, of making that or having that epiphany that was uh, over four years, I lost 121 pounds. And I, we can discuss a little bit more detail about that process. If, uh, but you know, I did cliche things in terms of dieting methods that were sure they may have worked to some degree, but uh, they were not sustainable far from. And through that, that four year period, I learned a lot of different, learned a lot about those different methods. All it's made came down to, behavior competencies, whether uh, whether it relates to nutrition, exercise, and most importantly, the behavior aspect of things, what is practical for you and best for you, that's very unique and different. And that took a lot of the time to develop and master, become competent, and a lot of failing and learning through that still am. Ultimately, what's most important is that it'll be seven years, seven years next week, where I've now maintain my 121 pound weight loss. And that's what I care about. Anyone can lose weight with any program for that matter, but it's a matter of adherence and consistency and practicality and 
in sustainability. Just what is what is it about your plan, your dieting methods, your your exercise, your stress? What is best for you to manage all those without much sacrifice to a degree? But it it all goes they all must be factored into the equation in order to develop true sustainability, true freedom in order to enjoy the life you want. And that is what I guess I finally found after four years and have maintained it. And that's what I want to bring into the clinical setting for medicine because the prescription is eat less, move more. Perfect. That's, that helps me tremendously. Didn't know that already. So there, we need a little bit more substance to provide to patients, admittedly, 15 minute, um, 15 minute appointments is not going to do a damn thing. But nevertheless, um, we have to consider the whole comprehensive picture. The nutrition, what does that mean? Contextually, the activity level and behaviors. What are key behaviors necessary to achieve weight loss maintenance? And that's what my study, uh, I created an assessment. That's what that's what I implemented. That's what we tested. That's what we got data surrounding. And I'm happy with the result. And we'll share that for later. But that was the kind of the whole development into this. I wanted to have something that we can objectively measure, not only for a patient's ability of, you know, what are true hard facts that you progressed. Here it is. It's pretty incredible. Here's that other than just, are you eating? Are you following the plan? Great. There's more to that, but uh, the second side of things is uh, from a clinician perspective. How well do you know these competencies? Are you practicing them yourself? How do you know how to help an individual achieve and grow and um, further strengthen their abilities to that expert level of competency? And that's easier said than done, but the, both factors of the clinic, clinician perspective and patient need to be considered and ultimately that's going to help the patients get to the point of true sustainability. Absolutely. And first off, wow, congratulations. Um, guys, he lost 121 pounds. That's amazing. But what's even more amazing is he has kept that off for seven years. So Kevin said something that I just want to reiterate because all in the media, all over the place, we hear, oh, America's obese. America has a weight loss problem. But actually, it's not that America has a weight loss problem. We're very good at losing weight. How many times have you or someone you know lost the same 10 pounds over and over again? It's not a weight loss problem. It's keeping it off long term. And that's why a lot of the fad diets, the scam shakes, we can call them, they work. They're very effective. But they do not address the behaviors that got us in that situation in the first place. They're not sustainable, and a lot of them put us in a situation where we feel socially isolated, overly restricted, and they don't even touch on the most important component, the mindset, the psychology behind not just weight loss, but maybe that's not your goal. Maybe you're looking to gain muscle. or Maybe weight is not a goal at all, and you're just looking to feel more energy. The mindset piece is so important, and what Kevin touched on with the competencies that's something that he focused on in his quality improvement study. Um, so that's something I want to hear more about. If you could tell us about um, you know, what the study is, just give us some context um, with your schooling and how that applies. Uh, and then I'll just briefly talk about the study design as well. 
I'll, uh, I, I should have prefaced uh, in my, my original diatribe about myself, but uh, I'm a certified and licensed family nurse practitioner in Kentucky. Um, so that's, that is my focus of general practice primary care. And my, my degree I'm going for currently as of 71 days is a doctor of nursing practice. So yes, there's a, there is a, a clinical advancement necessary within that, but the biggest thing in terms of a dissertation like process or project is a quality improvement project. So what this means in clinical practice, because I believe it's a seven year turnover between research and when it's applied into clinical practice, whether it's guidelines or this, you know, a new hypertensive drug. Uh, I, I believe it's a seven year average of when that study is done, it's now into practice or it's deemed appropriate safe care to use and be kind of, that is now the standard of care. And that's tremendously wide in terms of the t length of time. That's, that's, that's just, that's just uh, impractical. So quality improvement is, um, it's a different form of research where it's introducing quick system changes into clinical picture while using best practices, standards of care and driving a change that you want to see within your system or implementing some, some change, whatever that may be or whatever your setting may need at, uh, based on feedback from others, patient feedback, et cetera. So that's where for me, for, uh, for the diet doc, that's what I wanted to personally do because we all have, clinicians have their process of acquiring data and we're already gathering, obviously nutrition, weight, progress, what are, what's going on behaviorally, but it's very superficial. It's, you know, all you have eating, history of eating disorder, or you deal with stress eating based on the initial intake form. Perfect, great. Uh, that's, we'll have that in the back pocket. Uh, but when it happens, if it's, it's if for example, someone's in a seven-week program and they have a binge episode at six, the sixth week, leaving us one week to discuss this, assuming they don't renew or continue, that's not going to really help them or we're not going to be able to help them as much as possible to develop a better sense of competency with dealing with that behavior or um, disinhibitory behavior. So that's where I felt it would be much more be more helpful for clinicians and patients to develop a, an assessment where if we know that's already a, a, an issue, a, a barrier for someone, mm -hmm. not only are we going to talk about it now and know of it, of course, but we're going to work right now on what's, what's developed competency so we don't have future binge episodes. Even if you're broken seven weeks, we're going to work with, the, with the, every week to develop skills, to discuss this, et cetera, as opposed to we'll deal with it when it comes. We know it's a problem. We're going to deal with it. And what are, other, what are the other key competencies that we need to, in addition, focus on and master to get to that point of maintenance? Easier said than done. It's quite convoluted, but that's kind of the whole background that I wanted to uh, develop this for of comprehensiveness, consistency, and standardization amongst clinicians within the DIDOC program so that we can all be on the same board of assessments, development of these competencies, understanding of them, and be able to gauge them over time so that we can help the patient, but also for us clinically, 
what are or what are our statistics as a company? How well do we do with getting patients to get to maintenance and and, and stay there? That's right. a that's another future discussion, but that's where I would love to take this so that we have concrete data about us and this is why we're this damn good. I right. want to have that credibility and and data to prove that. Now, with that, you're talking about the uh, competencies. Can you touch on what those competencies are? Sure can. Uh, it, I, my, uh, my sponsor, Dr. Corey Probst, and I were, we wanted to create something that, uh, as a reference for clinicians, I'll speak directly to, from a clinician perspective, or clinical perspective. I wanted to use a an assessment similar to like the cage assessments uh, that that that's often used for alcohol use. Where meaning, I want to use something that's quick, easy to remember, and we can assess it, assess every cl- uh, patient whether it's initial consult or ten weeks into the program. We can continue to remember these competencies and determine where they stand, grade them, so to speak. So the key competencies we use the mnemonic master for master maintenance that's at the tongue-in-cheek and so they're they're certainly not I don't want to just keep it to six main competencies but to fuse a bunch of other behaviors and put them into one that's what we kind of have done so with uh, starting with letter m that's monitoring stats that would be your your objective data that's your nutrition your weight in terms of tracking and physical activity, that type of objective information, those studies show best, one of the best indicators of longevity and continued success is having that data to know where you stand with your nutrition and or weight. So that's what that behavior is referring to. You have the letter A for accessing support. That's kind of a, an obvious thing we need support, but a lot of people don't know how to ask for the help or seek it, acquire it. So that's where that behavior goes into that sphere, if you want to call it that. Then there's self-control, self-regulation, a really a biggie that's uh, just too complicated to discuss briefly, but mm-hmm. uh, that's what that is. Um, T would be tame food choices and trigger awareness. Um, as you could tell, it's a fusion of different things, but those are the big concepts of based on the National uh, Weight Control Registry. E would be emotional intelligence, another critical and huge sphere of of discussion. Um, And then R would be reflection. That's kind of an obvious one. But within for the clinical side of things, within each letter, there's references or prompts, questions to ask from, to ask a patient and, weekly follow-ups or uh, it gives us direction and guidance of where what can we ask them where where are they heading how are they doing and we would grade grade their competency level Uh, but i'll i'm getting too ahead of myself at at this moment that's the that's what the assessment was used for and that's using those competencies and the more someone develops all six the better their likelihood of maintaining their weight or health for that matter in the long term. So with the study, you used actual clients and actual health coaches within the diet doc system, uh, which 
I myself have been a part of since 2013. Um, but with that, there were clinicians and clients or patients involved, correct? Correct. There was, uh, as far as clinicians, we had, um, we, we, uh, left, geez, we had six total clinicians that helped out with the gathering of data, working with patients, of course, which in total, there was 288 patients, clients that were consulted and uh, that participated in this eight-week study, Q, uh, quality improvement project. So, so uh, 288 patients, six clinicians, and it was eight weeks duration. Correct. Okay, and then you you focused on those those six competencies of master, um, which I think is is perfectly appropriate because we're trying to master our own health uh, in nutrition, mindset, and physical activity. So throughout that time, um, what were the results of the study? What did you find at the conclusion of that time? I will say uh, I misspoke. There were seven clinicians. I want to so make sure seven. I don't miss. That's right. Um, just had to make that correction. But um, as far as the raw data, there, you know, the the aim of my of my project was to increase patient-centered care towards self-efficacy. So, you know, so that can be maintenance, uh, long-term sustainability, by incorporating the team's competency and implementation of this behavior competency assessment, and of course, with focusing on adults with obesity, of course. But the, that, that overarching goal of increasing competency, not only from a patient's perspective, but from the clinicians, because if the clinicians can better effectively teach and understand, therefore they can better help the patient get to that point of, uh, of mastery. Yes. So with that said, that was the overarching goal of that directing and guiding the whole project every week. What we saw from a, from a patient perspective, there was a baseline data about 45% in terms of, you know, from the, from the analysis I did as a baseline before in the planning stages, we had about a 45%, I won't say success rate, but we'll say, uh, I guess I'll just for simple, for just simplicity, I'll just say success rates uh, or maintenance, uh, achieving maintenance. Um, with the goal, with that said, 45% was the baseline, 75% was the, the end goal. I just kind of arbitrarily decided that, but we had a 27.5% increase of above 45%. So we reached 72.5% uh, of patients achieving or having increased competency towards maintenance behaviors. And uh, you know, over eight week period, to put in perspective and kind of context, to put in perspective of you know, in over eight week period, patients achieve or acquired nearly 30% increase of having a li greater likelihood of maintaining their weight loss results or health results. Wow. In eight weeks, that's significant of, you know, I guess to me, it's nothing that tremendous or astounding. It's just, you know, these simple quote unquote behaviors of mo uh, modifying them and making it you know practical for, for that individual. But 
you know, they're nearly 30% increase. That's just astounding over eight weeks. That's chunk change. That's eight weeks is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Right. Uh, and uh, from a patient or from a clinician perspective, um, actually would have to pull that statistic up from a different file, but um, I want to say it was about 30% as well uh, within their understanding, their competency of, demonstrated perceived competency of these behaviors there's about a 30 percent increase for, for clinicians so just of, within that I find that tremendous because just by having a better understanding and ability to teach and 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 help a patient within themselves just of that that's going to improve patient outcomes significantly if we did nothing else um, but having both of those, that's why we had the results that we did. And it's, it's just a staggering, astounding rather, uh, to see such an improvement over a, a short time. So following this study, it sounds like um, some of the implications are, uh, I guess, the two big takeaways that I have seen is the awareness from the, comp the six competencies. So if you start out with these competencies, and then also goal setting. So we've heard from numerous sources, regardless of what your goal is, if it's health-related, personal development, or business, setting your goals on a continual, consistent basis. It kind of keeps those targets in your forefront of your mind. So it's constantly in, in your sights. You can keep getting back to it. And I think that applies mm -hmm. not just for the client or the patient, but also for the clinician to keep us on task because there's so many areas to improve but if we focus on the fundamentals and master those core concepts of, you know, the competencies, that keeps us on target and allows the client or patient to also see that and keep them kind of on task so that we can keep reassessing. Because um, when we keep asking and are consistent with that process, staying on target with the target, I think that keeps our focus directed and we can ask ourselves, is what I'm doing serving me to reach this goal? And we're humans. We all stray off course or get distracted or, or go one way or the other. But I think having these core competencies on a consistent basis in the, in the forefront helps keep everyone on track on both ends, both coach and patient. Absolutely. Uh, it's a simple act of repetition here. Uh, you can't discount it because that's, I mean, how else our behaviors created is through simple repetition, whether it's good or bad. Um, but it, from both sides of the coin, it's, it's, we have to know where patient is heading uh, or where they're struggling, much like the patient as well. So um, that simple sense of keeping it front and centered, although we are to a degree, or it's but it's not formal it's not it's not monetized or not monetized but it's not a it's not uh i can't think of the word it's just it's not written down it's not it's not kept it's not annotated to to keep and monitor over time about progress yeah. and having that objective data both from the clinical side and for the patient is huge motivation and huge validation of this is what you have achieved over xx time you know things change it's it's too I'll, I'll say that it's too overwhelming to focus on all six at one time that would be great and ideal but 
realistically is just not likely going to be the case. So some things are you know, what I have seen. Everyone, a lot of people do very well with logging. So their competency level will be competent, proficient, or expert level. But their emo emotional or intelligence or reflection is crappy. They're advanced beginner or a novice. So they score lower on there just because they've never put in the time or don't understand it, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, that's where that, therefore, with that evidence, that gives us direction of, okay, let's focus on this. You know how to log. We're not going to forget it, of course. We'll still work on it. But the focus is going to shift more towards, you know, emotional intelligence and or reflection, whatever is going on for the individual. And that will allow us to build up that competence and add that with the other behaviors that might be doing well or improved you're going to ultimately have a much higher success rates to maintain in the long term, become the two to 5% of weight maintainers in this country. And that's just through a simple act of repetition and support and learning a thing or two. It's, it's just astounding how simple it is, but it, we have to go through that. We have to develop confidence and otherwise we're going to just perpetually cycle through and be a yo-yo dieter like, the vast majority of the country is. Absolutely. And, and repetition is the mother of skill. And I really see this as kind of a domino effect towards progress. Mm -hmm. So by keeping our eye on the ball, and it, it helps tremendously to have a coach to keep you accountable, um, and someone that you know has gone through that process. So you have the mentorship component as well from someone who's gone through the struggles, overcome them, and then can relate to you to teach you how to overcome those hurdles much like you did in your weight loss journey but by doing that um, it, it creates and, and documenting it shows you just like you said how far you've come from day one because a lot of times we're looking so far down the road we forget where we started um, and that alone can help us to feel more empowered um, but by doing that and documenting and seeing the progress just like you know writing your goals or tracking uh, weighing yourself or any of the other tools that can be used in this mm -hmm. process that will allow you to feel more confident because that's helping you and through that you're going to see how far you've come and that's going to increase your competence which will help to fuel your motivation which we need to replenish on a daily basis that can lead into commitment which is the ultimate determiner of whether or not you achieve your goals um, and that's one of the things we teach our, our clients in the diet doc is the difference between motivation and commitment. Whereas motivation comes and goes, like let's say you see a really awesome speaker, speaker or you read a book, you feel fired up, but in a day or two, that, that same level is not there. Commit, commitment is, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Um, you know, if I'm not feeling it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stick to it. And having a continual supply of motivation can help reignite that fire and keep that commitment strong because doing what you don't necessarily want to do but feel like you need to do in order to achieve that goal consistently over the long term that's what's going to get you to where you want to go um, but all of that starts with what you said is identifying those competencies looking at them consistently and communicating you know where you are where you would like to go and, and where you've come from with your mentor, with your coach, that helps to helps you to see 
where where you are because a lot of times we're our own worst critic. I know for myself this this can this has been a, an issue for me in the past is I'm my own worst critic, but if you have that coach, that mentor that says, you know, have some self-compassion, um, look at where you've come. Don't look too far down the road. Like it's good to have long-term goals, but if you see where you've come from, that'll help you to see all the progress you've made so you can keep that going and keep that momentum strong. It, I would say an underlying theme for the development of these of this project for that matter is uh, the self-determination theory, which you and I know much about, but uh, I guess the, what I wanted to say is that, you know, our, not only are these behaviors are ultimately trying to pull out from patients, from clients, you know, what are your values and how can we use those to determine or make the best choices for your goals? Because, you know, I, I use the motivation commitment concept you brought up. I, I'm done studying. <laughs> it's been <laughs> 10 years. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I don't want to write this paper, my final dissertation. I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> but it, 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 there's, it doesn't matter. I, I know I'm not motivated. I don't want to do it. I don't care. But I have to do it because I'd be foolish not to. But it's the degrees that meaningful to me, that value of excellence, credibility, integrity, commitments as a uh, as a value of mine that's that's my value that's dictating my choices that's what I do and that I will feel better and happy and that's what would that's what drives me as opposed to yeah I just don't feel like I'm just procrastinate that's not going to get me anywhere so paralleling it to, to weight loss and health for that matter it's the same thing what are your values and this assessment has an underlying theme of you know, it's what is important to you and how can we develop strategies, systems, skills, etc., into your, by taking your preferences, your values, what's important to you, and infuse to make that program, plan, whatever, sustainable for you, practical for you, so that you can endure any context that you come across with success. Easier said than done, but that is so critical, yet so simple conceptually. So leveraging the values you already have as an individual and using those to propel you towards goals. So it's not changing you as an individual, but it's looking at you know what's important to you, what are your values, and what are your goals, and then basically connecting the dots in an empowering way uh, through the guidance of science-based learning and progression paired with the support of a mentor and coach um, like you and I to get you through that process. Because as we know, because it, such is life, Things come up unexpected, hurdles, emotions, life circumstances, whatever it may be. And those are the key moments when commitment comes into play, like you said, because in those moments, you're not going to be motivated. Ten years of school, yeah, let's go study again. No. <laughs> but, you know, I did all this work. I'm committed to the end result. I have to do this. Let's keep going. And then once it's done, you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I pushed through. I was committed. So I think that's a huge point to drive home. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up because that that is a, a huge determinant to um, uh, following through and accomplishing the goals. And, and you and I have each seen that with clients we've worked with, the ones that you know not only meet their goals but exceed them and then set new ones because mm -hmm. they're so committed to do whatever it takes, um, obviously in an ethical way. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, with that, absolutely. So 
with the results of your study, has it changed your view of health coaching at all and what you've done? Or has it more reinforced beliefs that you've had about the health coaching process? Hmm. Sounds like it was a heavy question. I'd, it's hard to I'm trying to think how I want to answer because obviously I, I you know, want to remain unbiased. You know, I developed this project, so I want to say, you know, like, evaluate what I wanted it to do or how I was hoping it would go. But uh, um, I want to, I still want to remain unbiased just for the sake of, you know, I, I want to make sure I don't have tunnel vision just because I wanted to see success or wanted to see this, you know, go the way I had planned a year ago. Um, I'd say it's a little bit of both. Um, it certainly has validated the importance of, in the studies have shown, you know, consistently for a decade or so, at least, if not more, of these are what, these are what maintainers practice day to day. Learn them, practice them, find them, you know, fine tune them according to you and you'll have success. And it's just nothing extravagant. You know, maintenance isn't sexy, but that's hmm. it's really that simple of, you know, just developing these behaviors or skill sets. I know it's not, it's easier said than done, but nevertheless, of just the concepts, these are what we need to grasp and learn and implement. But uh, I say from a clinician, from a health coach perspective, it's not that simple to just tell or advise, counsel others, what the hell's wrong with you? Just do this. You know, why can't you get this? It's just not that simple. Learning is very individualized, multimodal. So we have to have, I would say uh, we have to have patience uh, and practice a lot of it from both sides of the coin, but especially from the health coach of it's, it, ha it will take time as much as we want to encourage and hope that others will grasp these quickly. In eight weeks, that's still pretty significant and short, but nevertheless, to, it, it we had to practice patience of it takes time to truly develop competence and mm. confidence and competence to take these, take uh, these behaviors to any context and know confidently you can succeed and maintain your results, whatever that would be. So um, that's something I'll have to consider in my sustainability approach, you know, implementing this for all of us within the company of, it's going to take a lot of patience for me to teach the clinicians of, you know, I would hope that they know what these behaviors are, but perhaps they don't. I need to remember that and that we need to start there first, and then we can take it to more inpatient care because it's, it'd be too premature to just throw this at them. There you go. Practice it with your patients. Good luck. It's we're, we're missing a boat and a big step there. So, right. uh, so from a sustainability perspective, you touched on a big point in that it has to be individualized because if you step way back from like a, a broad view, you can just say like, Oh, weight loss, is just calories in calories out simple, but it putting it into practice, it really comes down to the individual where they've come from, where they are now, where they're looking to go and allowing them to have those skills that they can actually internalize them or has, hmm. or as how you phrased it, really mastering those competencies. Um, and I think that's why so many people jump on, you know, fad diets, be it 
you know, paleo or intermittent fasting or whatnot. Um, and at first that's great, but it, sometimes they get into these regimens or eating plans that are in a magazine or it worked for someone else. So they just kind of copy pasted, but it's not to them as an individual, their food preferences, any intolerances they have, um, what, what they enjoy. And that restriction or kind of cookie cutter approach doesn't lead to long-term sustainability. Um, and that's why being individualized with a coach that understands you as an individual and what your goals are, your history, and then pairing where you are now with where you want to go and using a pace that is sustainable because forward is forward. It, there, it, the speed doesn't really matter. It really comes down to what you can handle, mm -hmm. what you can implement on a consistent basis. So that's a lot of times we can look at it in exercise. So if someone with motivation and commitment too, so we can tie all this in together now right here. I'm all about analogies and providing simple solutions. So hopefully this sticks with you guys. But if you have someone who has been sedentary, you know, fairly unhealthy, and they, for whatever reason, get really motivated to get into physical fitness, how many times have you heard them? Oh, I want to go on a 5K. So they literally just go and run for five miles day one. So what happens? They're very motivated, but they jumped too far into it and they could get injured, but they'll definitely be sore the next couple of days to the point because their body's not adapted to the point where they're not going to be able to work out because they're going to be so sore and that's going to lose that momentum and they're going to be right back where they started as opposed to meeting them where they are looking at their history. So they've not worked out in a while. Right now, they're not very active. So we want to start them on a gradual process, get them a taste for the success, get their bodies adapted and their mind that, you know, this is a new habit we're going to build. So maybe start off with 10 minutes walking, 15 minutes walking, slowly progress, get something they can stick to. So running five miles every day isn't going to work long term. It, short term, yeah, you're going to run five miles first day and feel great, but what about next week and two weeks after? So getting them to a place they can start with, something they can stick to over the long term and can carry through, that consistency is going to build. And then they're going to grow that skill, that competence, we can say. That's going to help them with the motivation because they'll be able to see, stepping back from day one, where you started and where you are now. So you started not doing any activity, but you've consistently walked three days a week for, let's say, two months. So that's going to help you feel motivated. That's going to show you the commitment because you haven't skipped out on anything and compound that over time, and you're going to see results. It, that's why I particularly chose the... Comp, you know, the better model of, of novice to uh, expert model um, just you know, we got to start somewhere even if it is novice but you know sometimes we're not going to get or progress as far as we would like for whatever reason um, but just I had something going there now I've lost it oh no bring it back <laughs> um, in any case it's a continuum you know, we're going to, some areas we're going to do better than others just because of whatever reason, that's fine. But, you know, the more abilities within, as far as weight loss, the more abilities we have of these main competencies, ultimately it's going to swing you 
uh, or improve your odds of succeeding long-term, even if emotional intelligence or whatever is still not, we'll just say subpar, you know, just not very, just, just not as high compared to others. But um, now remember, it's the fact of just being mindful of where you are, where you stand, even if it's not perfect or where you want to be, but you're being mindful, you're taking deliberate steps towards a better or higher competency level or skill sets, that's going to get you, you know, plus one closer to where you want to be much more than others who are just blindly following something just because or nothing at all. Uh, being deliberate, being consistent, and hopefully adhering to what's something, something that's practical, your odds of succeeding are tremendously higher and sustain, more likely sustainable uh, compared to the vast majority. And uh, I, I hope someone has enough self-compassion to understand that and see that though. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of trust and courage to, to, to do that and hard work, tenacity, uh, you know, what other adjectives? It's just, it's, inc it's incredible. It's, it's motivating and that's empowerment to see that. Absolutely. And that actually brings me to another point is a lot of people see this value either because they've had friends gone who have gone through successful health coaching um, or they themselves, like you, you went through an amazing transformation um, and you saw the impact that had not only on your physical health, but your mental health, your relationships, um, your professional endeavors, all of it was improved dramatically. To the point where you said, you know, I have to share this with other people so that they can experience this joy and, and feeling of success. So more and more people are seeing the value of health coaching. Um, so that, that brings me to this question, uh, which I think you're a great person to answer because you've been in health coaching for, I, th I think, six years as a health coach, five, six years, um, mm -hmm. paired with your experience as a, as a client um, as well. So if someone listening is interested in health coaching, um, be it learning more about it or how to get started in that process. Let's let's go back to where we began and say, you know, our day one or our starting point. Um, if they're looking for health coaching, getting into it, what are some resources that you can recommend that would help them with that process of getting started on a, on a good foot rather than copy-paste cookie cutter plan? They want to do it the right way um, to lead people to lasting, sustainable change. I would, I would, easily suggest uh, the diet duck yeah, it's, it's biased obviously but how i got started with my process because i was in college i didn't have the funds to afford uh, a, a formal process or formal program but just the free advice and counsel of articles written by dr joe Kumseski and dr corey probes that content was enough to get me started and carry me quite well for two of the four years to successfully lose 70, 80 pounds just by following that free advice. I mean, it's, that's, you know, just shows the power of just something as simple as that. Uh, perhaps I'm an anomaly, but, um, you know, just that I would support, uh, encourage that just because it's there. There's plenty of good, credible scientific practical advice and that's of course what that's you know, what you and i follow in terms of where that's what you and i create content as well on because um, those are our philosophies as uh, as well so i 
and I would I won't suggest myself just because uh, I, I'm biased and I don't like shameless plugs, but I'll have you do that. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> my check's coming. <laughs> my check's coming. <laughs> but but no, in all seriousness, guys, um, Kevin has an amazing website with tons of content. Um, not only content from Dr. Joe and Dr. Corey, but content he himself has created through his process, not only as a client, but also as a clinician. Um, so his website is thedietdoc-independence.com. Is that correct? It is. Okay, good. <laughs> I got it right. I was like, oh, I'll only get half of my check now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's a great resource. Um, he also posts very mindset-focused content on Facebook and Instagram, really getting you to think and you know take a, an assessment. The most important concept that Kevin brought up is being mindful, being you know present and aware, because having that is the first step, the most important step. But if you skip it, you won't be able to make the progress needed. So I highly recommend checking those two accounts out. Um, at Instagram, he's at Bruno FNP. Mm -hmm. And Facebook is his page is the Diet Doc Independence, and his personal page is Kevin Brunacini. Um, I'll have all the links in the show notes for the podcast. Um, but I highly recommend you know engaging with him. He's very helpful. He truly cares about his clients, those he works with. Um, they're like family to him, and he goes above and beyond. And I can't say enough good things. I've known him personally for what five years now is it five years does our anniversary hit yet It'll be five years this fallish oh we got we got to get some cake mm. because that's the beauty of flexible dining is you can literally have your cake and eat it too <laughs> yeah we'll be we'll be going to el coyote by the way twice this weekend <laughs> oh so I, I went to visit kevin uh i guess it was a month ago now time's flying summer just evaporates like water in the heat but yeah, that that was a legit place. I was I was pretty stuffed, but the macros fit. So guys, thank you so much for listening, Dr. Kevin. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your results uh, from your quality improvement study. We appreciate all of your insight, all of your hard work, because I was actually involved with that study, um, and I only I probably only saw maybe two percent of the blood, sweat, and tears that went into that. And this guy, talk about commitment. This guy was committed to that process. He was making it happen, um, going above and beyond. So thank you so much for your time and energy and sharing what you found through your process with clients and coaching on the impacts it can have on our patients' health and overall life. It's humbling just to be able to have this opportunity to, to do something like this, uh, but more than the success is due to obviously the patients, but the trust of you all to help me and trust me to help. Uh, so you, know, you can thank me, all, you guys can thank me all you want, but the, the true gratitude is for you all because it wouldn't have happened without you guys implementing and following through and trusting the whole process to provide me the data. So uh, I appreciate it. But uh, all, all goes to you guys. We appreciate you, Dr. Kevin, and appreciate all of you listeners tuning into the podcast. Hope you guys found some really great value from the journey and data that Dr. Kevin has shared with us today. Signing off, this is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. 
You guys have a phenomenal day and be the change you wish to see. See you guys.